0: Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Katie. And you're listening to Murder, Mayhem, and Merlot. Never seen you this nervous or anxious to do an episode. I'm very anxious about this episode. Um, it's very hard. Yeah, like you're sitting here, like your legs going up and down, yeah, shaking. It's very hard. Yeah. Um, but it's important, and it was a very big deal, mm-hmm. um especially in the state of Tennessee, since there was a whole law made after this case. Yeah. And by that, I'm sure a lot of you know what I'm doing. So let me go ahead and get this out of the way. This is about a baby. This is a case of sadistic abuse. And if this is not something that you can listen to, I completely understand. If you want to skip over this episode, I completely understand. But it was just such a big deal that I really wanted to cover this episode at one point. It took me some months to build up the courage courage to be able to do this. Yes. And it took several weeks of research because I would do it in very small spurts had to go to the library and get some old newspapers from when this happened because there's not a lot out here. When you look up the name, it brings up a lot of cases that have been tried under the law that was made. But there's only one court document that I was able to find that spoke in depth at all about the actual case itself. So while it's heartbreaking and really difficult to hear to talk about, the story is still very important to tell. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the victim in the story, they deserve for their story to be told. Yeah. So, so in saying all of that, if you want to skip this episode, that's fine. As always, listener discretion is advised. And now we will get into the tragic and horrific case of Scotty Trexler. Scotty Trexler was only 21 months old when he died. Scotty had not even lived to be two years old when his mother and his mother's boyfriend murdered baby Scotty. Scotty endured months of sadistic physical abuse. This sickening series of abuse is what eventually led to the unfortunate and untimely death of Scotty Trexler on May 29, 1987. The story originally broke on May 31, 1987, when the arrests of Tammy Trexler, who was Scotty's mother, and Carrie Bowers, which was Tammy Trexler's boyfriend, made the front page on the Kingsport Times newspaper. Tammy Trexler, Carrie Bowers, and baby Scotty had recently moved to Rogersville, Tennessee after fleeing North Carolina. While living in North Carolina, Scotty had been seen at a local hospital for a broken arm. While at the hospital in North Carolina, social services were contacted by the doctors and nurses to investigate the broken arm. After social services became involved, that is when Tammy and Carrie decided to leave the state and they made their way here. The couple lived on Thorpe's Chapel Road in Tennessee, 18 year old Tammy Trexler got a job as a waitress at the Orange Bowl in Rogersville after their move, while Carrie was and remained unemployed and only quote unquote babysat Scotty. On Friday, May 29, 1987, Carrie Bowers showed up at Hawkins County Memorial Hospital with Scotty. Carrie told hospital staff that Scotty had fallen off of his bed and sustained serious injuries. A Lifestar helicopter was immediately called in to fly 21-month-old Scotty to the University of Tennessee Hospital in Knoxville, Tennessee. Shortly after Scotty's arrival to UT Hospital, he succumbed to his injuries and passed away. Kerry Bowers was charged later that night by Hawkins County Sheriff's Office with first-degree murder of Scotty Trexler. Tammy Trexler was also charged with aiding and abetting first-degree murder. Both were held in the Hawkins County Sheriff's Department pending their arraignment and were both held without bond. More charges would be filed against the two in the following days during the investigation. So now, let's take this deeper dive into May the 29th, 1987, and in the days thereafter. Around 7 p.m. that evening on May the 29th, 1987, Doris Smith was leaving the trailer park on Thorpe's Chapel Road that she also lived in. While in her car about to leave, Carrie Bowers ran up to her window explaining to her that someone down at a trailer could not breathe. Doris Smith jumped out of her car and followed Carrie back to the trailer where he, Tammy, and Scotty lived. Once Doris entered the trailer, she found Scotty lying flat on his back, not moving, and his eyes rolled back into his head. Doris instructed Bowers to take the baby to her car immediately. As Doris drove baby Scotty and Bowers to the hospital, she said she could hear Scotty making hollow noises from deep within his throat, and that Bowers kept repeatedly saying, Breathe, Scotty, breathe. So to me, I feel like he had a death rattle. And that's what that was, probably. Possibly, yeah. Because it's... He goes pretty fast. Yeah. Once the three arrived at the hospital, after about a seven-minute drive, Scotty was rushed inside by Bowers, where Scotty was placed in the care of Dr. Gregory Swabe. Dr. Swabe said the child was unconscious, had no pulse, and was not breathing. This is where Bowers' story about Scotty falling out of the bed and stopping breathing after he fell was told to the doctor. In the short time Dr. Swabe was caring for Scotty, he made note of the extensive abrasions and burns on his body and was, quote, bruised from head to toe. Two large hematomas were seen under the skin in each groin. There were burns so severe that the skin was removed on Scotty's buttocks. There was also a burn over the majority of the right side of Scotty's face. Several old and new bruises were found on Scotty's abdomen, back, pelvis, chest, legs, arms, and stomach. So when the doctor said he was covered in bruises from head to toe, he meant that very literally. Dr. Swabe believed that Scotty was brain dead by the time he had arrived at the hospital. Scotty arrived at the UT hospital around 9 p.m. where he was taken into the care by Dr. William, I think it's Buntane, so we're going to go with that, a pediatric surgeon that worked there at UT hospital. Dr. Buntane observed the same injuries on Scotty that Dr. Swabe had. Dr. Buntane tried for hours to save Scotty's life, but to no avail. Scotty was pronounced dead shortly after 11 p.m. that night. During the investigation of the home, Sheriff Ken Russell heard from neighbors that they had witnessed Bowers pick Scotty up by his chin and throw him against the wall while his legs were bound together. And this is a reoccurring thing for him is to be seen with his legs just bound together. There's a witness here that I'll talk about in a few minutes that saw that as well as other people in the trailer park. I don't I don't understand any of it, but I I just don't understand why they did that. Sheriff Russell had noticed that bruises on Scotty's body looked old and some looked new, which indicated to him that the abuse had been occurring over a long period of time. While detectives looked through the trailer and collected evidence, they found blood on several surfaces and things within the home. Blood was found on the floor, on Scotty's bed, a chair, and also on many of Scotty's toys. Specifically, Sheriff Russell said there was blood on small toy cars and trucks, a pound puppy, which was just a little stuffed dog. 30 bags of evidence were removed from within the home. Scotty's mattress was also taken to the sheriff's office and was reportedly, quote, covered in bloodstains, old and new. Sheriff Russell told the Kingsport Times newspaper that Detective Lawrence Smith had confided in him that this was the worst child abuse case he had ever seen. Detective Smith had been investigating child abuse cases specifically for the past three years. And he said this was the worst he had ever seen. Sheriff Russell also added during this newspaper interview, quote, it makes you sick to your stomach. Here's the autopsy. So if you want to skip that, that's fine. If you just want to skip this part, if you're listening. An autopsy was performed on Scotty's body on May 30th, 1987 by forensic pathologist, Dr. Cleland Blake of Morristown, Tennessee. Dr. Blake described all the nightmarish injuries found on Scotty's body in the pathologist's report. There were extensive burns on Scotty's face and several injuries on his chest and his back. Large and knotted bruises were found on the upper inner thighs, upper front thighs beside his scrotum, and several hemorrhages under the skin in these areas as well. Dr. Blake took samples from the burned skin on Scotty's face. After viewing the samples under a microscope, Dr. Blake determined that the burns were between one to two weeks old and that they were not consistent with Scotty accidentally pulling a pot of boiling water over onto his face which is the story that Carrie Bowers was telling people when they asked about the burns. Dr. Blake stated that to leave this severe of a burn on Scotty's face, the water would have to be between 160 to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Water's boiling point is 212 degrees Fahrenheit. And that the burns looked as if Scotty had been on his back, face up, when he received these burns. It was later discovered that the hot water heater thermostat inside the home was set to 140 degrees fahrenheit so that could mean that possibly they were holding scotty on his back and just holding his face face up while they let the water get as hot as it could and just holding his face underneath the water dr blake testified during bowers trial that the burns on scotty's buttocks were between one to two weeks old as well he testified that the burns were made from direct contact with a hot object onto the skin He further explained that the burns were not consistent with Scotty accidentally sitting on a hot surface from the way the burns were positioned on the skin. Dr. Blake said that Scotty's legs had been pulled apart and directly touched with something hot. Scotty also had injuries to his abductor muscles, which are the muscles on the side of your hip that extend um, into your thigh muscles. Dr. Blake said these were around two weeks old and had been caused by each hip joint being pulled out of socket. He testified to the court that the injury was not accidental, but had happened purposely by the legs being pulled apart at the same time. So someone was holding his legs, holding him by his legs probably, and just jerked as hard as they could at the same time and pulled his legs out of socket from his hips. Dr. Blake said on this subject that the legs had been, quote, fully boned apart, and he didn't believe that the average woman could have the strength to have done this. So when he testified, it was during Carrie Bowers' trial and it was him basically saying she could not have done this. He did this. Dr. Blake reported that the abdominal injuries were 24 to 36 hours old. The injury that Dr. Blake believed caused Scotty's death was to his head. Scotty had acquired subarachnoidal and subdural hematomas. So the subarachnoidal is bleeding in the space between the brain and the tissue covering the brain and the subdural hematomas, their blood vessels in the space between the skull and the brain when it's damaged. These injuries resulted in a loss of blood from the brain and gradual compression of the brain near the brain stem. These were the injuries that would eventually lead to Scotty's death. Dr. Blake had also found old brain injuries and hemorrhages in different healing stages. He adamantly stated on the stand that the head injuries could not have come from falling off of a bed onto carpeted flooring. Yes, he fell off of a toddler bed onto carpeted floor and Carrie Bowers said that this is how he obtained these injuries to his head. No, instead, Dr. Blake explained that the injuries were due to, quote, deceleration trauma, which is when a head is moving and hits a still object or the injuries occurred during very violent shaking. So to me, I feel like it's probably both. I feel like they were definitely probably shaking him, and they were probably just taking him and slamming his head into stuff. I, I believe both. The injuries occurred between 10 to 12 hours before Scotty died. The direct cause of death for Scotty was due to increase of pressure on the brain, pushing on the brain stem and pushing the brain into the spinal cord, and then cutting off blood supply to his respiratory organs, which eventually just caused him to stop breathing because he had no blood supply, so... He kind of was just suffocating while he was in the back of the car. There were many witnesses that testified during the trials of Tammy Trexler and Carrie Bowers. All of the witnesses testified about bruises, odd and very concerning behavior coming from Scotty and injuries on Scotty in the months leading up to his death. Did any of these witnesses, you know, report what they were seeing? Not that I could find that anybody had reported it. Um, I know that... From hearing people talk just around town, it's reported that police were called out there a few times, but social services was never called. I don't have anything to say right now. I know. Jackie Ralph testified that earlier in May of 1987, he saw bruises and belt marks on Scotty's bottom. Jackie said when this was brought up to Bowers, Bowers said he would try not to whip Scotty with a belt anymore. Cecil Matthews was another witness during Bowers' trial. He testified that Bowers told him that, quote, Scotty gave him problems and he would try not to beat him anymore. So basically, that's that's big of you. Yeah. Basically, he was just telling people the kid gets on my nerves, but I'll try. He's a fucking baby. Yeah. The next door neighbor spoke with police during the investigation. The neighbor's name was Matt Drennan. Drennan told police that he had witnessed Scotty inside of the home with his legs wrapped very tightly with an ace bandage and then taped over top of the bandage. When Drennan questioned Bowers about why Scotty's legs were wrapped together like that, Bowers said that Scotty had pulled a muscle in one of his legs and they were wrapped that way so that he could not move either of them. Earlier that week, Drennan reported that he had seen the scalding burns on Scotty's face. When Drennan asked Bowers about this injury, Bowers told him the story about Scotty accidentally pulling a pot of water over onto his face. Drennan told police he asked Bowers if either of them had then taken Scotty to the ER or to a doctor for the injuries, to which Bowers replied that they had not. Drennan said that Scotty's stomach almost always, quote, looked swollen. Drennan said that the Friday before Scotty's death, when he saw Scotty with his legs taped, he had also noticed that the scab that was originally on Scotty's face from the burn was now gone, and it looked as if someone had peeled it off. During the search of the home, investigators found a pair of tweezers with pieces of flesh and skin and scab stuck to the tweezers still. Drennan went on further to explain that every time he saw Scotty, quote, he wouldn't stand still all the time he was shaking. There were several witnesses from North Carolina called to testify. One witness, Robert Brown, testified that Bowers had confided in him that he was jealous of Scotty because Tammy Trexler, Scotty's fucking mother, Spent so much time with him. Again, that's his mother. She should spend so much time with him. What a little person you are. What a little man you are. Mm-hmm. To be jealous of a baby. Little. How insecure can you feel? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just at the core of it, it's just evil. It's just being evil. There's no words for that. And I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry, actually. Sorry, not Sorry. Those witnesses, you know, if you see, you know, something and you and you ask about it, you know, and, and you're given an excuse, okay. But if it continues to happen, mm-hmm. and you're continually seeing things that don't that aren't right, because and you kids, know they're not. Kids do kids do shit. They they get hurt, right? Not that little, really. But continually seeing bruises on a child. Something seems off to you, fucking report it. You walk into a house and a 21 month old, not even two years old, is sitting there with both of their legs ace bandaged and then taped together on top of that. And you ask what happened and they say they pulled a muscle and didn't take him to the doctor. Do you think that any logical doctor would say this is the solution to a pulled muscle? Tape their fucking legs together. Absolutely are you kidding me? And then on top of that, like the burns, let's say that Scotty did pull a pot. He didn't, but let's say he did, you know, onto himself. And then they say that they didn't take him to the hospital. That's abuse. That's abuse. Not getting your child medical care, that's abuse. It is. So any way you twist this, it's abuse. There's there's no excuse. As to why it never was reported by anybody. There's not one. Because that's no. not normal. None of that was normal. And you should have called someone. And if you did and the police showed up and they didn't do anything, then fuck whoever that cop was. Exactly. In the most disrespectful way. But if you if you call and the police don't do anything, continue. Be that child's advocate when no one else is. Like, you know, you and I were talking yesterday A child's safety is everyone's problem. Mm -hmm. Everyone's. That might not be my child, but if they're in an unsafe situation, that's my business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It is 100%. So, yeah, I won't mind my own business when it comes to a child. No. No. So, like I said, there were also several witnesses from North Carolina because they had previously lived there and then fled because a hospital did call social services. One witness being Robert Brown testified that Bowers had confided in him, you know, like I said, that he was jealous of Scotty. Another witness, Mark Trexler, which is Tammy Trexler's brother, said that he had witnessed Bowers abusing Scotty. Mark said that one day he watched Bowers poking his finger in and out of Scotty's rectum as a punishment. Okay. Fuck every adult that was in this kid's life. Mm Mm-hmm. Every single one. Continue. Mm Mm-hmm. The only people that did anything right by this child were the hospital staff and that woman, Doris, that drove him to the hospital. Yes. That's it. Tammy Trexler testified in her own defense at her trial. She repeatedly denied the abuse from either her or Bowers towards Scotty. She admitted on the stand that she did lie to the hospital staff in North Carolina when getting Scotty treatment for his broken arm. Tammy said... She was told by Bowers to lie about their names. So they gave false names while they were at the hospital in North Carolina, which probably would explain why they could not find them once they came to Tennessee. Tammy spoke with and was looked at by a clinical psychologist before the trial. The psychologist testified in court that Tammy had a passive dependent personality and due to this, she would be able to deny the reality of things that had happened while she was present. So she doesn't live in a real fucking world at all. She somehow, in her mind, makes everything sunshine and rainbows somehow while her child is dying over a series of months. as soon as this Carrie Bower's guy was in the picture, i don't i don't I never found anything that said how long he was. Like I said, this was a very difficult case to research because there's almost nothing about this case directly. But however long Carrie Bowers was in Scotty Trexler's life, the moment that he first abused that child is when Scotty started dying. Absolutely. This was not, he got hurt really, he was beat really bad that last day and died from that. He was dying from the first time he ever had anything bad happen to him at the hands of this fucking child. I'm not going to call him a man because he's not. Absolutely not, no. Carrie Bowers did not testify during either of the trials. He was also looked at by a clinical psychologist. The doctor said on the stand that it was evident that Bowers had a neglectful childhood. This was further pointed out by Bowers' mother when she testified during the trial of Carrie Bowers. Bowers also did admit to severe drug abuse on his part during questioning in the investigation, and he said this is why he was the way he was, was because of drug abuse. Um, As someone who worked at a rehab, and you also would understand this because you work with people who are addicted to drugs and have that disease. You have substance abuse disorder, yes. Just because you're addicted to drugs does not make you immediately just some abusive parent. I witnessed hundreds of people in that rehab that the only reason they'd even come to treatment was to get better so they could give their kids the best life that they possibly could. And they truly meant that. Yep. I, so, see, I see it every day. People... Will- Wanting to get sober and clean for their children, yeah, and who truly and who truly love their children. Mm-hmm. So don't give me that shit. No, substance abuse disorder isn't a choice, and and it doesn't just transform you, you into, into an abusive human no, being. No, no, you're not to that degree. your are no. one singular abuse is of substance. That's that's what your abuse is. Mm-hmm. You abuse substances. That's a disease. That it is what it is. I don't care if anybody disagrees. It is what it is. You mm-hmm. work with them, and then you come try to have a conversation with Kayla or I about it. But that's that's your that's your abuse this substance. It's mm-hmm. not. You don't just turn into a fucking child abuser because you use drugs. I'm sorry. That's. That's that was a horrible scapegoat on his part. No, because there are plenty of people who You're don't, a monster. It's yeah. your problem. Yes. There are plenty of people who who are abusive, who don't do drugs. Exactly. So you, you are the devil. That's mm-hmm. your problem. Yes. If you're straight up, you're just an it, evil son of a bitch. If you know, if the devil's anybody, it's people like this guy. Mhm. During the investigation, detectives did find marijuana. We all know somebody that smokes weed. I don't know anybody who just smokes weed and, again, just starts beating babies, but, you know. Not a one. What do I know? Not a one. I don't know anybody. Nope. Nope. If anything, they're relaxed as I'll get out. Yeah. They're just chilling. They're just hanging out. Uh, They also found keys to a vending machine. The keys had been stolen from a local business in Rogersville. This landed Bowers with drug charges and a felony charge for possession of the vending machine keys that he was using to break into the vending machine, obviously. Get ready to get even more mad. I can't. I don't know if I I don't know if it's possible for me to get, you know, more upset than I already am. I'm going to go over the law and then I'm going to go over their sentences. Okay. So after this horrific and brutal case, when the details were released to the public, East Tennesseans immediately went to work at trying to push for a harder legislation against child abuse cases of this magnitude. Hell yeah, we did. Hell yeah, we did which landed us in 1988 when Governor Ted McWerther signed into the state law the Scotty Trexler Law. The law states that anyone who kills a child under the age of 13 during the course of child abuse shall be charged with first-degree murder, regardless of intent or premeditation. This also means that those individuals will be faced with the option of being put to death for their crimes. Unfortunately, since this law came after everything double jeopardy they cannot be tried again under this law so they got what they got and here's what they got tammy trexler was found guilty of aggravated assault by failure to protect scotty and failure to report child abuse and possession of marijuana tammy was sentenced to seven years for her crimes in march of 1988 tammy was given 285 days counted toward her time as time served for her time spent in jail before the trial Tammy also accumulated almost two years while in prison for good behavior. She was eligible for parole after just 18 months. Tammy was released from prison in the early 90s. I could not find an exact day that she was released. She went in in 88. She was released sometime in the early 90s. So she probably served like three or four years, maybe. Carrie Bowers was found guilty of second degree murder and child abuse. Bowers was sentenced to 38 years without the possibility of parole until 1998. He would have to serve 10 years before any parole eligibility or any parole hearings would be heard. Bowers served his time at the West Penitentiary near Memphis. Kerry Bowers was released on Friday, February 14, 2014, after serving just 26 years of his 38-year sentence. Bowers earned sentence reduction credits in the amount of 3,391 days, also for good behavior. Bowers was 48 years old when he was released. Scotty Trexler never made it to two years old. And during his time on Earth, it was hell on Earth. Carrie Bowers still lives in Hawkins County. Hmm. Allegedly. Well, he can fuck right off. (laughs) I, the system, everyone failed this child. Everyone I mean I know the hospital did their best and the the hospitals in Tennessee, the hospital in North Carolina mm-hmm. and Doris but everyone that was in this child's life truly failed him. Mm-hmm. Failed him and then when he needed justice the system failed him again. Mm-hmm. They deserve so much. They de- they deserve so much which I'm you know I'm not going to go into detail. They deserve every awful and bad thing this world has to offer. And the bare minimum, they deserve to spend life in prison. I think the bare minimum for them should have been to be put to death, period. Right. Yeah. We have no use on Earth for people like that. None. None. Whatsoever. All you're doing is taking the oxygen from everybody else. You're literally a waste of time. Waste of space. Waste of a life. Yeah. Should have been Scotty. You should be dead and he should be alive. Mm -hmm. I don't have this visceral reaction to a lot but you know when it comes to cases with children I have a hard time and I don't and I know like anybody I'm sure all of our listeners have the same reaction you know but also I have family who's been put through hell and who lost their sister at a very young age at the hands of someone else and one day I'll go in more depth with that and I will do an episode on that. And it's just, it, it, it blows, it just blows my mind, blows my yeah. mind. And I think for the listeners that we have that are parents, you know, I was discussing this with one of my coworkers, Hannah, the other day, because she was asking, like, what case I was doing. And, you know, I, I told her and she was like, it sounds familiar. You know, what is it about? And I pretty much just summed it up as it was a child abuse case that ended in death that was so brutal that, Tennessee made a law that you can be put to death for this type of abuse if it ends in death. They made it a state law named after mm-hmm. this child. That's how bad it was. And she was like, you know, I want to listen to your podcast, but I don't know if I can listen to that because she's got babies at home. Oh, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's OK. Yeah. I, I completely understand because like, as a parent who does love and cherish their their babies. Like all and, I want to do right now is go up and hold mine. Yeah. That's all I want to do. You know, because. You know, we don't have a choice as to who our parents are. And in this case, the hand that he was dealt ended in him never living a life. He never made it to two years old. He didn't know what love was. He didn't know. He never felt that. And Mm -mm. so, you know, if you listen to this and that's all you want to do is just go hug your kids, I understand. Yeah. Because he never got that. Nope. And he should have had nothing but that, which is what every child deserves. So, sorry. Yeah, I mean, you know, someone, if someone looks at my kid the wrong way. Which is very true, because I've literally watched her, like, scream at a woman in a parking lot for looking at Mason. Yeah, like, you're not... And she wouldn't have it any other way, and she'll kill you. Yes. <laughs> I will, over my baby's eye. You know, and, and any protective parent would do that for their child. Mm-hmm. So, and so yes, go hug your babies. Yes, yeah, so if you take anything from this, hug your babies, but also... If you see something, say something. If it doesn't sit right with you, scream it at the top of your lungs because kids need advocates and parents should be their their child's advocate. Mm-hmm. But when that when parents aren't, it's up to us to be the advocate. Mm-hmm. So, that was Scotty Trexler and I'm glad that I covered the case just because it is such an important thing. It's the hardest one we've done. I feel like I mean all of them Especially with kids, all of them are hard and all of them are rough. But when it's a baby and his they own are. parents, it's just it's, it hurts in a different way. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Yes. Sorry, I kind of got a little choked up there at the end. I oh, I, I was crying through this whole thing. Yeah, she was in, sitting over there just crying. I was, <laughs> and I don't cry. Like I'm not a I'm not a huge crier. And of course, we want we always want to keep a level of professionalism. But there's just some things that just get to you. And, yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. It's, you should have a react to this. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. We'll be back next week with another episode. Yeah. We've been slacking. So we were like, let's release two. Mm -hmm. It was Kayla's week to release an episode, but I was like, we, you know, we've missed a couple weekends in the past month. So we'll just do two. I was, you know, I was almost finished with the research on this case. So. Yeah. We'll see you next week, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Go hug your babies. Yes. Go hug your babies. We'd like to thank Mikey Kinley for audio and editing and our friend Avalon Uliberry for our cover art. Make sure to like and follow us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. Our Instagram is m3podcast, and you can find us on Facebook under the name of our podcast, which is Murder, Mayhem, and Merlot.